Welcome to Ask the Expert this morning, an award-winning daily series from now 8.30 a.m. till 9 a.m. to help small businesses. If you have any questions, ask them in the comments and uh, in the live feed. If you need any advice, join the official Intuit QuickBooks SMB community group on Facebook. Accountants and business experts are on hand 24-7. Wow, I wish I had that when I first started. During the live session, we'll be running a poll, so please engage with it, and I will reveal the results at the end of today's broadcast. So my name is Simon Squibb. I am a serial entrepreneur. I have started 18 companies, 13 of them with no money, I would add, and uh, so I can talk about that at some point. I have invested in 69 startups, and I, I guess I am a serial entrepreneur. I, I, when I started business, it was just called being a business person. It was not called entrepreneurship. Today, it's been defined. And I love building businesses. And even more than that, I like helping, helping other people build businesses. So I've had every experience there is when it comes to building a company from you know, good co-founders to bad co-founders to great investors to bad investors. I've seen it all. And today, I would like to share with you something that I believe is fundamentally important to ensure success in a business. If you do not have this one thing, you will not make it. And not only am I gonna define this one thing for you, I'm gonna help you learn in the session today quickly how to do it. So the key ingredient to being successful in business is something not talked much about, especially by those that are successful, but the key to being successful is having luck. Now I know, if someone says to me, Simon, you were very lucky, you can almost see it as an insult. And I can say, oh, no, I wasn't lucky. I, at 23 years old, took a risk, left England, moved to Hong Kong, and set up a business. And so, you know, I took risk and I, I did things that it's nothing to do with luck. It's all to do with hard work. And you might see a quote floating around the internet where it says, the harder you work, the luckier you get. I'm here to tell you that is a lie. That is not true. Personally, I actually had the most success in my life when I built companies up and then asked other people to run them and gave them equity, gave them a stake in the business. But they, I was then, therefore, not working as hard, but making more money and the business was more successful because I wasn't trying to run all the businesses myself. So, so actually working hard does not equal success. And I think that's a misunderstanding for a lot of people in business today. They think if I work hard, I will be successful. And, and that is not enough. That is not enough of the information you need to understand actually how to get more luck. There is a formula to getting luck in life, and I'm going to share it with you. And I stumbled upon this concept that luck is key to business when I started studying lots of successful people. When I invest in businesses, I always wanted to understand what it is that was going to make an investment fly. And when I was a novice and first started investing in businesses, I thought it was just fill a market gap and have it scalable and a good team, and therefore it will work. And sometimes I had good teams in a good niche, and it still didn't work. So I, I learned this concept of luck, and this is what I've learned. Luck is a very complicated subject, and, and in the dictionary, it's very simple. It's stated as something that happens randomly to you. And so what actually, luck definitely happens randomly to you. But what I discovered when I went really deep into the research of luck is that it's actually broken into two parts. And if you, if you listen to this breakdown, I'm going to teach you how to hack luck. 
how to increase your chances of luck. And it is the key to making your business work. Now, just to say, luck is actually, as I say, broken into two parts. One is what I call uh, out of control luck. So this is actually only about 2% of your life. And so that type of luck could be best explained with where you're born, for example. There's absolutely nothing you can do to influence it. Frankly, no matter how hard you work, there's nothing you can do about where you end up being born. And so you really do not have any control over that. And that, of course, can have a dramatic influence on your life. Of course, things like coronavirus and you know things like this happen to us all. When this hits, it's bad luck and it's bad luck for us all. It's random. There's nothing we can do about it. But that's about 2% of your total life. Now, what's really interesting the other 98% of luck that happens in your life can 100% be influenced. And the formula to influence that 98% of luck that can come your way is as follows. The first and probably in my view, the most important thing is that you must take risk. The truer saying, instead of the harder you work, the luckier you get, which in my view is, is a lie. The truth is, the more risk you take, the luckier you get. If you take a lot of risk, you'll be shocked at the, it's like cause and effect, basically. And the reason people don't like to take risk is often because of fear. Now, fear is something that in the modern age, in, in this you know, 2021 age, we all feel fear. And when we feel fear, we have abilities quite quickly to turn off fear. So we just say no. Right? We say no to things, for example. But in the original design of fear, if you think back to you know, caveman times, the original design of fear, a lion is coming towards us, fear kicks in, and linked to fear is adrenaline. And your mind, literally different parts of your brain fire up, and you get almost like superpowers. You get faster, stronger, you think differently. So fear, in fact, is an asset and so you want fear to kick in. And when you feel fear, you should hold on to it because it gives you superpowers. So whenever you do something and you feel fear, I'm sure you've all felt it. If you push through to the other side of fear, there's euphoria, there's excitement, there's achievement, there's a sense of purpose. So fear, in fact, is something you absolutely need to start uh, embracing. And if you embrace fear and lean into fear, you could take more risk. You take more risk, you'll get more luck. The other element, and there's two more elements to ensuring you can hack luck and get more luck in your life. The, the, the one thing I really um, was shocked by was this survey that was done around salespeople. And what this survey basically said was the average salesperson will, and, and the top 10% the top of salespeople will contact someone five times before they'll. Uh, consider that lead dead. And so that's that's good salespeople, the top 10%. So they'll say, okay, I, can't, I email them once, I email them twice, I try to ring them, I send them something, and then a month later, I contact them again, nothing back, that's it, they're not, they're not interested, a dead lead. That's good salespeople. But the best salespeople, the top 1% of salespeople, they have this key ingredient, which is seek the secret to luck, and that is persistence. And what they do is they never stop reaching out to that lead until they've had you know, a very definitive no. And even if they've heard a very definitive no, then they, all they hear is maybe later. And I think that that's key. Persistence is absolutely key to getting more luck. If you are persistent, 
I have personally been very persistent. I had a company called Fluid. It was an agency based in Hong Kong, which I sold to PwC, the accounts company. And I basically know from that experience that building that business up was all about persistence. If I hadn't been persistent, it wouldn't have grown. I wrote 50 companies down that I wanted to work with. It took me nine years to get all 50 companies on board as a client. Nine years. But I was persistent every single month reaching out to those clients. And the final thing I'll say before I can go to your um, your comments and, and questions is I know 100% that if, if you don't know your destination, you will not get luck. So many people, when, when I'm talking to people about investing in their businesses, they'll say to me, Simon, please invest in my business. And I'll ask them this question. I'll say, what is your destination? And quite often they will say, my destination is I want Uber to buy it for a billion dollars. And I tell people that is not a destination. Money is just fuel for your car. Where you're taking that car is crucial because you don't know how much fuel you really need if you don't know your destination. And once you know your destination, you know what to put in the car. You know who to come on the journey on, in the car with you. You know what when you arrive at your destination, what you're going to need. You know what type of car you, you could drive based on the terrain you've got ahead of you. So destination, absolute persistence, and taking a lot of risk and leaning into fear. They're the three elements. If you follow them, if you, if you embrace these three elements, you will increase your chances of luck and you'll be shocked at the outcome for your business if you follow, if you follow those rules. So, so I hope you found that quick insight into hacking luck useful. I have a, an, another theory around the secret to it all, which is all about acting like you've got nothing to lose. And I can talk about that on another session. Um, do let me know if you found the hacking luck useful. I think um, now I'm going to move to uh, questions. And I, 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 I'm now just looking to see what questions are coming in from you guys. And so um, Charlotte on Instagram, um, you're invested in and mentor many companies over the years. What would you say is the biggest common mistake most businesses make in their first few years? Charlotte, it's a great question. And I have to say, you know, quite a few things jump in my mind around this. I, I hopefully I've got enough time to answer this properly for you. But first of all, I would say that many people don't think big enough. You know, there's this whole saying, you've got to think, why not think big? My personal experience has been, it's actually easier to run a big company than a very small company. If you can afford to have senior management involved in your business, it means you can have a holiday. It means you can have, you know, time to go and plan instead of, doing, you can, you can think, you can think about the business. So I always think as big as I can around the business. Now, it does take time to build up that. I know from experience myself, you can't be a big business overnight. And maybe, and this is very important too, you don't want a big business. Maybe your business is a lifestyle choice. But I do see when you ask me what a lot of mistakes that people make in the early days is I think people do think too small at the beginning. And that's people that want a big business. Now, there is a caveat, as I say to this, that there are, if, if you want a small business, it's also important and just as, just as important as thinking big to say no, to learn to say no to things that are not going to be what you actually want to do. And again, as a small business owner myself, I know what it's like. Sometimes if you can see revenue, you can see businesses, you would say yes you've got to be careful. You've got to watch out that you don't accidentally say yes. And it takes you off into a world that you don't enjoy. I and mean, if you don't enjoy the business, then quite often um, that could be a problem. One final thing, Charlotte, I'll say um, from this great question you're asking is that 
I think a lot of the time people don't think enough about purpose. You know, what is the purpose of the business? There's a great TED talk by Simon Sinek. You should watch it. It's they start with why. And he talks about like, we know what we do and we know how we do it. Most people know what they do and how they do it. But a lot of people haven't asked themselves why they do it, both on a personal level and on a business level. And I absolutely think that's crucial if you want to be able to be persistent and get to your destination. And, and, so, and be willing to take risk. You, you really need to know what your purpose is. So Charlotte, I hope that answer was useful to you. I talk for a living, <clears throat> still lose my voice from time to time. So um, next question comes from Twitter, Malika. Having been involved with loads of businesses, do you think there are similarities between businesses that make uh, success of themselves? It's an interesting one, Malika. I think the correlation between success, I have to say, and failure often is, uh, this concept of luck. And I know a lot of people don't like it because it, it, it feels too random and out of your control, which is why in today's talk, I've tried to explain there's actually a formula to increasing your chances of luck. And I would say, by the way, if you work the 98% of your life carefully enough, you can affect the 2%. In fact, the 2% can be a benefit. So if you're born into a difficult situation, I was actually uh, in a difficult situation. I was, I was homeless at 15 years old. So actually that, that 2% of random luck where I became homeless became my power up. The 98% that I then leveraged, um, it was because I had nothing that I learned this concept that if you have nothing to lose, you win. So, but I noticed that people that succeed to answer your question directly, Malika, is they, they tend to not hold on to what they've got and they're willing to risk. And they're the ones that often win. They're passionate about the project. So that helps a lot. And they're willing to risk it all to do it. That's the correlation I've seen. And you'll notice it, you know, without, you know, typical entrepreneur names, but people like Elon Musk, he made a hundred million from, from PayPal. You know, he didn't need to work ever again but he went and bet it all again on, uh, as we know, uh, many other companies. And he could have sat back, bought properties, had income for life and never worked again. But, you know, real, real uh, passionate and, and entrepreneurs that want to learn and keep going and keep growing uh, will we'll risk it all, Malika. That, that's been my experience. So uh, let's move on to Mike on Facebook. My business has been struggling quite a bit at the moment, and I'm worried I'm losing my passion for it. We've been going for six years. Well done for going for six years, Mike. But the last two haven't been great. I'm sorry to hear that. How do you know when it's time to move on versus when you just need to find a motivational inspiration? Mike, it's a really good question. And I, I, um, I, I always think the strongest people in the world ask for help. That's what I think, Mike. So when, when, you're, when you're mentioning this, first of all, I appreciate the openness and, and, and I love it. I'd, lo I'd love to try and help you. I think one of the things I'll say to you is, it's okay to sometimes recognize that you're not enjoying your business anymore. I think that's fair. You shouldn't feel guilty. You don't want to be trapped. And I think it's actually very brave. The hardest thing I've personally ever done is to close companies. That, that's, just keep going somehow is easier. It's more painful over time, but, e but easier than, 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 of course, doing something like closing a business and, and letting people down, perhaps. So, Mike, I think you have to uh, do a couple of things in my view. And it's just my view, okay? It doesn't mean I'm right. This is my view. First of all, I would consider bringing someone else in to run the company um, because it might be uh, that you just need a break from it. Maybe you feel a bit trapped. So if it's a profitable business, that's great. That will help. But maybe you can even have someone come in, invest in the business, some fresh blood, some new energy. That's something to think about. And maybe you could just do a post on social media today and say, anyone fancy you know, uh, coming to work in this company and, and, see, and do some interviews and see who's out there. And, and, and you never know. It could bring 
the business back to life and, and give you some freedom and maybe still some income from all your hard work over the last six years. If that's not an option, then, you know, I, I would I would seriously consider uh, doing something else. Now, what I have done is I've started something else on the side. So I feel like you figure out what you'd actually like to do next if you can. But don't let that business trap you. And, and, and at the same time, the other thing, the final thing I would say on this, because it's a complicated subject, I have to, have to know more about your business, but can you change the business you've got into something you love? What's your passion? What's your purpose in life? Can you sit down and ask yourself that for a week? And then can you take it back to your business and try to make it part of your business? Because quite often you run out of power because if you were like, I am helping 10 million people start a business of their own. I have so much energy because of that mission. When I help people like you, Mike, it literally makes my day. So uh, that, that, that can be another way to go. Try to install purpose in your business and you might find you have a very different energy. But equally, maybe your business can't do that and it's time to just do, do something else, Mike. Um, and I think that's sometimes very brave and maybe you'll build something bigger and better uh, that, that makes it makes that pain worth it. But um, yeah, hopefully my advice, Mike, is useful. Feel free to reach out to me if you want to talk about that more because that's a very sensitive subject, Mike, and I might need more personal information to help you in a, in a more meaningful way. Mo on Twitter. Hey, Mo. Um, love that your advice around making your own luck. How much business do you think is well is being well prepared for it versus actually just taking risks and getting lucky? I think a lot of businesses are not doing enough to give themselves the chance of luck. So, you know, they don't take enough risk. And it's understandable, especially if you've built something up, you don't want to lose what you've got. But sometimes you have to remember the early days and the fun it was to build something up from scratch. But I don't think a lot of people um, do actually take enough risk. And I'm talking about uh, risk is, is seen as such a negative word. It's not. It's a positive word. Every time I've taken risk, generally I've either learned something from failure or my, my, my personal experience has grown, which is an asset you can never take away from me. Even if the business fails, I have that experience. I've had so many failures. And because I have had so many failures taking risk, I am successful today. If I hadn't taken all those risks, I wouldn't be. So that's something to keep in mind. And I actually think a lot of businesses aren't well prepared to take risk. They, they get too uh, stuck in their ways. So um, I hope you found that useful, Mo. Uh, Frank on uh, Facebook, I run a small woodworking business creating tailored furniture. Oh, I love tailored furniture. I, I will check you out later, Frank. I mostly rely on word of mouth and don't really get marketing. I know having social media presence could help us find more customers, though. Where do I even begin? How much time and money should I be investing? Okay, Frank, it's a good question. I think sometimes social media is seen as the answer to marketing. As a marketing person for the last 25 years, I can tell you social media, which I am personally completely embracing and know in every way, I feel like it is still just one part of how you market a business. For your business, Frank, I would say word of mouth is still powerful. I would even argue that you haven't asked your customers to promote you. I bet you've done it uh, in a gentle way. So in other words, you've let them do it, but you haven't asked them to do it. The most powerful thing you can do is have one of your customers post on social media about you. But frankly, even more powerful than that is when someone comes around someone's house, and hopefully that will be happening again soon, uh, he, 
he or she shows the product you've made for them and says, you know, you've got to, you've got to, if you want one of these, you've got to get Frank to make it for you. You know, word of mouth in your business. There's only so many things I'm sure that you can build. So word of mouth is powerful. I would also say there's probably some really fun marketing things you can do. And I want to, I want to perhaps use like, um, you know, an auction. One of your products gets auctioned and has gone up 20 times in value from the time the person bought it. You know, you could do some PR around that. I think PR is still very powerful. You know, get in the financial times as you made a bench for someone, they bought it for a thousand pounds and now it's worth 50,000 pounds. I'm not sure of your business if that's a reality, but conceptually, you know, creating value and perceived value and that, that will attract clients to you through PR and PR can be free. So I don't work for Facebook. I'm not going to start saying do ads on there. I think that it's not necessary for a lot of businesses, but it's seen as I can sit at my computer and, and buy an ad and almost like the lazy option. And Frank, you don't sound like a lazy person to me. So I'm not sure you uh, you need a lazy option uh, like social media uh, stuff. But um, but yeah, that's my quick advice. Again, Frank, hopefully it's useful. Marketing is such an enjoyable subject. Maybe I should do a whole session just on marketing. I could literally talk for hours on the subject. There's so many different ways to do it, but I hope that's useful, Frank, and gives you a few tips. Sharon on Twitter. Hi, Sharon. What companies do you think have really nailed their branding campaigns in the last few years? Sharon, I am such a big fan of Oatly, the oat milk company. I don't know if you know them. Uh, Google them, check them out, drink their product. I'm not an investor. I wish I was. I absolutely love their product, but I think they've nailed it. You know, campaign slogans like, uh, like milk, but for humans, it's just brilliant. It doesn't say anything bad about milk, but it just, it wakes up that part of your brain that really makes you engage. Their cartons are full of fun and information that isn't your typical brand packaging. And I just think their messaging in general, they recently had an argument with the EU uh, around whether or not you could call oat milk milk. And it's just clever and fun and interesting. And, and, I, and I, think, I think people don't bring humor enough into, into brands. And so I think you know, you asked me who nailed it. I think it's Oatly. So uh, go check them out, Sharon, and you'll get inspired as I have been by that by that brand, I think. Nick on YouTube. Hey, how you doing, Nick? Having started a lot of businesses with a zero pounds dollars, I'm sure you have worn many hats. That is true. Way too many hats. And I've got a big head, so it's not easy to find hats that fit. How do you transfer responsibility from yourself to new hires? Do you hire friends and family? Okay, so there's kind of two questions there. I'll just start with the last bit first. Friends and family. I have. I have hired friends and family, and I have mixed results. And the mixed results have been that I have hired people based on personality instead of understanding what their capability is. So I have uh, worked with my brother. It was a horrible mess. And it was a horrible mess because we actually had a similar skill set. And we would cross over a lot and argue a lot. And what I thought was going to be a bond was in fact a burden. So, uh, but then uh, I've also, on the other hand, worked with my wife and it has been amazing, absolutely amazing. Made our relationship stronger and I, I've loved it. And the reason is she has a different skill set to me and I respect her and she respects me and we help each other, but we don't, we don't interfere with each other's work. And so I, I think working with family can be amazing, but you just got to get the rules right, I think. So uh, same with friends and, and as well, I mean, because they are basically family. Now, as far as, I guess, delegating uh, responsibility to other people, 
this is a really interesting one as well, uh, uh, Nick. And I and I think one of the things about delegating responsibility is I I, I always say don't manage people, manage purpose. If you have a very strong purpose in your business and you hire around that purpose with people that have the ability to do the job, you don't need to manage them. They will actually often end up managing you. So, uh, so for example, I, I work with someone called Talia and she is amazing. She will chase me for stuff. And so I'm not chasing her. Now, when I brought her on and handed things over, there was always a element of, this is the company culture and this is our purpose and this is how I've done it. And then I would hand it to, to her and, and this is a recent thing, so it's fresh in my mind and she would do it differently. And I think that's important. It's important not to make the way it gets done very rigid. So one example is I, um, I actually have a, a little boy, three and a half years old, and in the mornings, I like to be with him. And then I work and then I pick him up from school so that I spend time with him. So in other words, my working hours are based on my lifestyle. And she doesn't have a child and she likes to work late and, and at different times to me. So I don't tell her this is the hours I work and therefore this is the hours you must work. I let her basically do what she wants. So you basically have someone that has the ability to do the job. You have the purpose very clear, and then you give them some freedom. And then honestly, handing over the reins is no problem. And often the person that stops it working is you. Um, so I hope that that is a useful insight. Now, um, I've got quite a few questions still here, so I'm, I'm going to uh, get through them. Don't worry if you've got a question. I'm going to answer it. Feel free to keep dropping in questions. And so uh, let me see. Uh, let me see what I've got next. Faye. Great show, Simon. Oh, thanks so much. It's early in the morning, so uh, hopefully um, I'm, I'm giving you useful information. My brain is waking up right now, but thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, I uh, Let me see. Do you have two or three tips on what to remember when building brand message? Very good, good question. I am so obsessed with brand. I think you should always build a brand, not a business. So many people are building a business, and if you're not building a brand, it's a race to the bottom on things like price. Brand is so, 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 so key. And so again, this is a subject I absolutely love. I could talk for like literally days on this subject, but I'll give you a couple of pointers. I think you've got to see a brand like a person. So a lot of people have personal brand. Frankly, personal brand is pretty easy. You, As long as you're honest, you know who you are, you know what you like, you know what your moral code is, what your values are, what you are willing to do, what you're not willing to do. You know you, right? So you can build a brand based on you. I would say pretty easy. But when it comes to company brand, you actually have to do a similar thing. You have to say, right, what does this company feel? What does this company say? What does this company's you know, moral code? What's the authenticity values of this brand? And so a good example for me would be someone like Nike. You know, they they stand for things. I mean, I won't get into the politics of, of it now, but we all know that they've, they've stood behind certain things that have made them unpopular with some of their customers, but they believe in something and that makes them valuable. That makes you believe in them. And so people, anyone can make shoes, right? But Nike, the brand, you just feel something, you trust them. You're willing to pay more for that too. So that, that, 
Uh, hopefully, Faye is, is useful to you. But brand is so, so crucial. So many small businesses don't spend enough time. It's not about just a beautiful image, which I know a lot of people do do. It's about understanding that the very deep, um, the very deep meaning of, of, of your brand and your, your, your authentic, authentic self. Hopefully that's useful, Faye. Stan on Facebook. I run a lifestyle and culture website and we've got a bit of a following now. Well done, Stan. But to get to the next level, I think we need investment. Most of my team do this around day jobs. So I want to find a way to have full-time staff. What should I prepare if I plan to meet with investors? Stan, first of all, well done. You're going to hire people full-time. You're the reason I do this. Stan, I, I want to help people like you hire good people and, and do great things. So well done. Good, good hustle there to get it to a point where you're ready. Now, I am an investor in businesses, so I know uh, I know it. But I would just caveat before I give you some advice on this and say, it's not always good to get an investor. You know, Do remember, if you get an investor, it could end up like having a boss. If you get the right investor, it won't feel that way. But make sure you're very, very careful about who you bring in as an investor. Don't just take someone that's got money. I would recommend you bring someone in that can bring value. Co-founder investor, for example, can be very powerful. They bring something to the table. Make sure they do something very different to you, as I mentioned earlier. But do perhaps consider a co-founder investor, someone that's operational. If you just have a financial investor, sometimes they can sit as a monkey on your back. But if you want to get an investor... My, my, my best advice for you is when you approach investors, do not ask for money. Ask for advice. If you ask for advice, you will get money. If you ask for money, you'll get advice. So try to focus on asking for advice. All right. I hope that's useful. Stan, again, I could answer this question in a much more detail. Um, you can visit uh, my, my YouTube channel. I have done a whole video on how to get an investor and how to find a partner that might be useful to you. Cherish on Twitter, your mission to help 10 million people start a business is incredible. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm curious, how do you plan to go about doing that? One event at a time. So here I am today talking to thousands of people, hopefully sharing knowledge, inspiring those that are listening to start businesses and those that have businesses do well and therefore go on to inspire other people to do it. I believe no one is born anything. You're not born a doctor. You're not born a lawyer. We all need training to become what we want to become. But I think everybody's born at zero. And actually, it's all about training. So I know, for example, there are 50 different types of doctors. There are 50 different types of entrepreneurs. It's not whether you are an entrepreneur or not. It's just a question of what type of entrepreneur you are. So I'm here offering free help through things like this. Say this is a brilliant initiative by QuickBooks to give you the knowledge you need to grow your business or start a business. And that's how I'm going to do it, Cherish. So um, you, uh, you, you were asked, do you know what the end destination of your business is? in the poll, and I'm here to reveal the results. 33% of you said, yes, you know. That's awesome. I'd love it if you drop comments and let me know what your destination is. I'd love to hear the 33% of you that said yes. What is your destination? Please share. I'd love to hear that. 67% of you said no. Very honest, very real, very important to check in with yourself and know that. So 67% of you work on it. By the end of next week, you might know it. And I promise you, it will make a dramatic difference to your business. So um, I think uh, I want to thank you all for tuning in this morning. If you want to get in touch with me, you can connect through my website, simonsquib.com. 
And you can also check out my podcast where I interview the world's most successful entrepreneurs and they share their knowledge. I shared with you how I've done it, but there's many different ways to get where you want to go. And so you can check out purposefulprojectpodcast.com and listen to the world's most successful entrepreneurs and how they did it. Coming up on Ask the Expert tomorrow, it's Judith DeLangdale. I'm probably getting that name wrong because I'm slightly dyslexic. So sorry, sorry, Judith, who is the head of digital solutions, MHA, Moore and Smelly, Smalley. Again, dyslexia is a real problem when trying to read something. Sorry, uh, Judith. Uh, um, but I, I, I think head of digital solutions, that's got to be an interesting insight, hasn't it? Tune in to get advice on how to maximize the value of your business. That sounds, I'm going to be tuning into that. A reminder that if you need any more advice at all, do join the official Intuit QuickBooks SMB community group on Facebook. Accountants and business experts are on hand 24-7, including myself. So uh, feel free to join that community and get all the help you need. So I think that's it for today, folks. I hope you found it useful. Do let uh, QuickBooks know if my insights today were useful to you and they'll have me back on. I've really enjoyed being here with you all this morning. I've loved your questions and I hope it's been useful and look forward to connecting with you all again very soon. See you later.